And if someone walks into your home and you have a diamond ring on, well, you must be something. Well, if you have a Steinway in the parlor, that Steinway measures who you are. And they created that, that it would become a measure of class. strikes you, what strikes me when I go to that factory is, first of all, how big it is, because you're moving these enormous pianos around, the smell, the beauty of the wood. Steinway, unlike Yamaha, does not produce a thousand pianos a week. You know, Steinway is producing um, maybe 3,000 pianos a year, and that would include uprights. So the message is uh, among the workers is to be proud of your work and to do it right. For the Steinway family, they were involved, you know, in the making of the piano. And from the factory floor, you know, came this, I think, came the saying, there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Steinway. takers. They were creative, they were inventive, they were obsessed with making the best piano possible. The Steinway story is the story of, uh, of a German family with some money, with tremendous skills, coming to this country because they realized that in Germany at that time, life wouldn't get better than it was, and it could get worse. And they chose New York because at the time, New York had over 200 piano makers. New York looked like a good market. There were lots of German-speaking people here. Um, they, they felt they'd try it. What the heck? And they came over here and for a number of years worked for others to get themselves settled. And in 1853, 150 years ago, they opened a company called Steinway & Sons, which wasn't really their name. They were Steinweg, but they gave themselves this kind of American name because they thought it would help sales. And by 1860, they have the largest piano factory in North America, right on Park Avenue and 53rd Street, where the Four Seasons Restaurant is now located. They go through family problems, they go through the ups and downs of business. It's William Steinway's um, wife was having love affairs, and um, you know, like love affairs, everybody knew it but William. 
And there's a um, moving moment, which I write about in my book, and it's in his diary, where he's saying goodbye to her at the, uh, and he just collapses because he's so, so in love with, with her and, um, and maintains contact and sends money and raises the child. And, um, and it's quite a tragedy for him because if he were not part of this prestigious family, I think he would have worked something else out and not, uh, not allowed public pressure to sort of um, end the marriage. So I would list that as one of the dark moments in Steinway's history. I think another dark moment in Steinway's history would be World War II. fact that they did have a company in Hamburg, uh, that it was uh, supplying uh, beds and gun stocks and, you know, it was supplying the Nazi army. They were, the workers were, workers were out there marching. There were Nazi representatives in the factory watching over all the workers. Um, and they were, they had, you know, they had a, a business which they had no control over, no communication with. And, and on this side, you know, this factory here in Astoria was making gliders and coffins, you know, was supplying the U.S. military. Uh, the gliders that went into Normandy were, many of them, made by Steinway. But they made it through it, and I think the reason they made it through it is because they made a quality piano, that the piano took them through it. and. When I say the piano, what I'm really saying is the workers. That what really takes this company through all of the troubles and all of the swings of business is that you had skilled workers very committed to that piano, more committed to that piano at times than the foreman would be, or the owner would be, or the boss would be. The workers just wouldn't listen if anybody came through and told them to do it differently. They just wouldn't listen. They just did it their way. If a worker from 1890 was brought back, somehow we could get that, get a worker from 1890 out of his grave and bring him back to the factory, he'd fit right in. of changes. Number one would be electricity. He would be, he would find that the drying time of the glues would be amazing, that the glues now, what used to take three days, can take um, three minutes. That would be it. And you, I, I don't think you could say that about too many factories in America today, that you could take a worker 
from the 1890s, put them in that factory today and they'd fit right in. I th and they would, they would. What it, what it reflects, I think, is um, number one, the history of American business, number two, the history of an American family, and most important, the uh, interaction um, between um, skilled workers and the bosses. You've got a, a family story, you've got a business story, you've got a labor story, and you've got a story about American history. That's why I got so interested in this. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a kind of um, a spine from which you can tell an amazing story about the history of this country.